I think my last conversation with Dave Peacock was right before the pandemic, and it wasn't as much about his job as the CEO at Schnucks as it was about the Battlehawks. The season was about to begin, XFL was coming to town, and Schnucks had done a number of sponsorship deals, and so we talked about that, and I think a little bit at the time, too, with Dave having been so involved with trying to keep the Rams uh, before the relocation to L.A., it was sort of a football backdrop. And then the Battlehawks begin, and it's popular, and it's about to really just kind of become a St. Louis thing. And you know, I still don't know how much of it was trying to show the NFL or Cronky that, hey, we're a great football town, and how much of it was just the novelty and the idea of going back to the Dome, especially football fans who were into it for 20 years, used to go down to games and tailgate and just kind of hang out. And I remember at the time talking to Kurt Hunziger, who was the uh, the president of the Battle Hawks, and they did a great job with the product. But he said, you know, we sort of studied the market and had an idea what the demos would be. And he said we were a little off. It was really more of like a college party. <laughs> it was a big party crowd. You know, it was kind of like the PGA on Sunday with Phil. It was it was kind of rowdy Battle Hawks game. So that's the last time we had talked to Dave. And there's a lot of different topics to get to, including uh, the lawsuit that's coming up. He can't say a whole lot because, not surprisingly, Dave has been deposed. He'll probably be, I don't know if he'll be called or his testimony will be used, but certainly in the middle of that whole Rams move to L.A., Dave was involved in that. Also, his thoughts on what's happening with the MLS. Also spearheaded the first group trying to get Major League Soccer to town. And if you talk to people close to the Taylors or the current MLS group, St. Louis City Soccer, I think, uh, Soccer SC, excuse me. I think a lot of them will tell you that some of the work that got done laying the groundwork was the first MLS movement. Dave was part of that. But very civic-minded guy, and that includes a special event on Thursday that we were going to talk about anyway. And I said, let's get together. We'll go over a couple different topics uh, about children's literacy in the Ferguson, the McClure School District. Uh, a nice event involving Malcolm Mitchell, former Patriots Super Bowl champion who's gotten involved in children's literacy. Uh, we'll get into that topic as well as being the CEO of a major grocery chain when the pandemic hit. Just how chaotic was it? So Dave Peacock is the Killcoin Conversation, the latest installment. As always, presented by Marie Devilla Senior Living, located at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Premier Senior Living, including the Villa Estates, Assisted Living, Beautiful 60-acre campus. Take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. That's M-A-R-I-D-E, Villa, mariedevilla.com. Triad Bank, which is the St. Louis-based bank since 2005. You can get online and check them out at triadbanking.com or go see them in person these days. Get back in there. It's fun to see people again, and they've always been the neighborhood-friendly bank. It's one of the great things about Triad Bank. They have actual people in the building, and they're happy to see you friendly folks right there on Clayton Road in Frontenac. Jim Regna, the CEO and his team wanting to help you, if you're a business owner, do more business. Make sure you talk to the folks at Triad Bank. And Appliance Discounters, where they know all about the cannots that the other companies will give you. You want to buy that appliance? And they say, sure, we'll, we'll put it on order. You'll get it in a couple of months. You don't want to wait. How about a couple of days? That's the beauty of Appliance Discounters having a huge warehouse in downtown St. Louis, so they always have plenty of inventory in stock, including the great GE products, General Electric. In fact, go on their website, theappliancediscounters.com, and just go into the search engine, type General Electric, and all 
of the available appliances will pop up. They want to make sure you're not getting the runaround. Get that appliance soon. That's what Appliance Discounters is all about. And as always, their savings are your savings. Theappliancediscounters.com. All right, thanks for checking us out. Let's listen now to my visit with Dave Peacock, former president at Anheuser-Busch and the current CEO at Schnucks. All right, Dave, as we sit here now, we, we are maskless and it feels weird. We, we survived the pandemic, it seems, as a country, but more specifically, Schnucks survived. How, how weird was that ride for you? Because there is no prepping for that, is there, in, in terms of your industry and what you do? No, I mean, um, it, was, it was incredible. Uh, we had an 81% lift in sales in one week. So, and, and at the same time, we had over 2,000 people call off out of just fear. So, and our supply chain was a train wreck. So we had to kind of rebuild everything. I always say it was like rebuilding a plane while it's flying. It was just kind of crazy for about a month. And then things settled in, sort of. I mean, at a, at a much higher level. Um, the team was really creative. and But it was 18-hour days minimum. I mean, it was crazy. We changed store hours. We changed how you check out. We changed everything. And the stores kind of had to and just didn't have a choice. So, uh it's uh, it's it's hard to remember what that was like. It was so uh, it was like our own little, you know, Normandy beach, um, albeit you know not, by no means as dangerous. But it, it was incredible. And were you having meetings where, at that point, you got to you got to worry about your consumers. You always care about your employees, but at that point too, your employees are raising their hands, and you said you know some didn't even want to come to work. So you're just constantly battling keeping the consumers happy keeping the employees safe. I mean, that had to be a real juggling act. Yeah, and, and, and it's not an indictment, but you're getting, you know, don't wear masks. Wait, wear masks. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, everybody's trying to get masks. And it was just um, – and we, we almost didn't even have meetings. It was just these calls. We would quickly pull people together on the phone. I, it started when I was on spring break because, remember, you know, nobody kind of knew. I'm, I'm in Miami, and I spent the entire time on this balcony – on the phone, I remember one day, 7 a.m., 7 a. I had probably a 30-minute break, and I didn't get off till 9 p.m., flew, landed, and literally went to stores the minute I landed. Um, I mean, it was just insane. Worked through the weekends. It was just trying to get decisions made, and, and we did make decisions. And we, we really, I think, if anything, we, we built confidence in our organization because we empowered people. Like, hey, we got to go. We can't fumble around and talk about things too much. This is This is – you know, if you know, I mean, get off the pot time if you're gonna right. if you're gonna if you're gonna get things things done. It's about people's safety, so uh, it was crazy. Funny you say get off the pot because I was going to ask you about toilet paper. How crazy was that? And were you calling other stores and saying, "What do you got? What do you got?" I mean, I think one of the things I'll remember about the pandemic is going to the store and not finding toilet paper. Yeah, the empty shelves. I mean, when I landed, I remember it was like jarring because we walked down the you know aisle and there's spots. I mean, we're just not used to out of stocks. And, and, and then paper was empty and you're just, and they can't supply you because they couldn't keep up with production. And who would have thought that that category was going to be, I'm like, it was very odd because I'm like, that. That's it's fairly known as far as what your usage is going to be. Um, because you're probably thinking meat, bottled water, right? Canned, you know, canned food, right. whatever. And bottled water got tight too, but it was um, that that we had plenty of. But the uh, it was, uh, and we we're on the phone with vendors and trying to get information about hey, when's Charmin coming in. It was just, it, it was, it was, it was out of control. And and then we we pivoted and said like, hey, we did a lot. I tell you, but the Laughlins were great. I mean, they helped us on people because you know, as, as we thought about, it, I'm like, wait a minute, they're not, they're going to have a bunch of people that can't work because they have hotels. 
So we'll call Lodging, that. hospitality, yeah. management, that group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They own hotels. So we pulled, I think, I think in one day, we, we pulled 600 other people in to help fill in spots. And then I'm like, hey, do you have toilet paper? You know, and well, single roll, we'll take it. You know, right. <laughs> we'll take whatever we well, That's sell. genius because hotels <laughs> yeah, that aren't I mean, busy. Yeah. Right. They're just sitting there. They've got their inventory like, hey, let's go. We, we just need to get anything we can and get in people's hands. And the, and, and, the, and the food service companies that supplied restaurants were all of a sudden pivoting and selling us food service packaged items because we knew okay restaurants are going to struggle but then we're partnering with the restaurants on bringing their food in and it was it was it was it was amazing to watch the whole system meaning the entire food kind of ecosystem come together you know and as that hit the pandemic the battle hawks had just taken off and i know we had talked to you schnooks was behind it and the city was getting into it and that la game was going to have like forty thousand. and you know was it all about the battle hawks maybe a little bit about sticking it to the nfl i'm not sure entirely but it was fun, and then that was a casualty, and I, it's, it happened so quickly, too. I mean, I guess it could still be coming back with The Rock, but that was that was sort of oh, very great. disappointing. I went to that first game. I took my son, and we Schnucks did a lot around it, and it was it was so fun. And it was and I do think it was more about, like, community pride. I mean, you could say sticking it to L.A. or the NFL, but it was more about, you know, hey, we, we are a football town, and, and people wanted to kind of flex that muscle. And uh, – it was not, and I'm like, hey, there's that. And then a week later, <laughs> like the, the world's coming apart. It was, it was unfortunate, but you do hope that that comes back. Because I think there's, I mean, for decent football, people will go out, they'll show up in this in this market. I mean, um, I know people that I, I snuck into a high school football game last fall. I mean, I had the lines. I was someone's parent, but um, <laughs> just to get in and watch some football was it was it was. Uh, and I said, yeah, I got a son. The, who got to go to all most? I think went to every Notre Dame game, um, which was lucky that the students were able to go to those and see those live, and, and, and they were able to play the entire seat. I think they had one game that they had to either cancel or move. But yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see sports coming back. And Schnooks has been kind of integrated with sports or sponsors a lot of sports, and I think it makes sense because sports is community, right? And is and you've talked about this since day one joining Schnooks. It's kind of a hangout. It's not just. Hey, I got to get some groceries. Like you'll run up there, you might see your friend, you might get a coffee, and it's almost like the old days where you would kind of meet up at the grocery store. Yeah, I think no, it is, and it's it's we do um, more with college than we used to. So um, you know, doing some things with the University of Missouri, talking to the University of Illinois, um, and then like you said, we we sponsor all the major teams here, and with with. You know the blues. We've got the little store in store in the in the stadium. We've got the sim- similar at the Iceplex. We've done. I think we have three of those at Bush Stadium. Um, and it's just, it's an important part of you know connecting with our community and and you know brand awareness is not a problem for Schnucks, thank God. But um, connecting to things that people are passionate about in St. Louis is important. So uh, we're doing player appearances in stores and the teams through COVID because they're like, hey, we can't have fans, but we need your sponsorship. So we stayed with them. But they've been really creative in finding ways. We've done cooking schools with, you know, players and their wives and, and stuff digitally where they're, they're virtual. And uh, just some really creative things that we've done. The, the teams have been great in working with us. I've found myself less concerned with the Rams, like whether they win or lose. Like kind of indifferent, you know. Where are you in terms of those emotions? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. People ask, you know, can you watch NFL football? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's it's watching Patrick Mahomes and what the, the, the Chiefs have done. Um, we are – I mean, this is going to – this this almost like labels you. We are Tom Brady fans <laughs> and Patriots fans, which people can't believe. But I've got friends associated with ownership, and I know Jonathan Kraft pretty well. 
And the crafts were always pro St. Louis. They were. They know? were. They were. They, they, you know, Robert Kraft will always say, I signed the contract to buy the team from James Bush Orthwine at um, Brian Cave's offices in St. Louis, Missouri, looking at the arch. So mm-hmm. he, he feels this is a football town and the, the, the roots of the Patriots actually come from St. Louis. Um, but, no, I, I, th- I, I look, I still love the game. And, and even watching what Brady did in Tampa Bay is incredible. I mean, we follow that story the whole uh, the whole time. And it's um, – you know, I, I don't root against the Rams. I don't root for the Rams. I, you know, if they're good, I went to the Super Bowl. I took my son when the Patriots went and played them, and and you know, I do think Aaron Donald is incredible. I mean, so I mean, they've got. Yeah, I just, but I don't care. Like you said, they're just another team in the NFL. What about the lawsuit? Do they call on you? Have you been deposed, or will you be? Are you an interested observer? I had John Shaw on the podcast. And I was surprised to hear. He hasn't been asked any questions because he knows a lot. I know he'd been out of it for a while. Are you watching this closely? Yeah, I, I'll say that, uh, yes, I am probably more than an interested observer um, because of the, the lawsuit really being surrounding the more recent events than when than even when John was involved. Um, can't obviously talk about much um, and don't know a lot of, about what's the detail is around, you know, the case and what have you. But um, – but 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 am you know, definitely um, you know a, a witness, if you will, to the to the to the process. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and I guess they moved it down further because of COVID. So I don't know if now it's spring of. 22. I think it's January or February of of twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know we'll have to see. And, and I know what everybody else knows as it relates to a lot of depositions were taken. Um, and so I imagine in the fact gathering, just the question is how good is the case and. And, and we'll kind of see what transpires from there. Is it important for the city to win for maybe the optics, or is it the money? I mean, it, do you think I, – I think the city wants to win or the, the fans paying attention want to win symbolically, but also it could be money that could go to certain things. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if, depending on what a, the you know, a ruling is and in the, in the, in the, or settlement or whatever they do, um, the money is, is super meaningful for St. Louis um, and the region. Um, you know, when you combine that with some of the federal money coming from the CARES Act, it, it could transform this region pretty dramatically. Um, but I, and I also think there's it's precedent setting relative to, you know, NFL's process. And I focus more on the NFL than less on all the vitriol for Stan Kroenke. But but you know, their process and their stated relocation process did they follow it? And and should communities um, for a for a, for a business, if you will, that has antitrust exemption, be able to rely on their stated process. Um, and I think if, if that's kind of the bigger question that is more precedent setting. Now, I say that, I don't think NFL teams are going to be moving around a lot. So this, you know, at the same time, if you're the NFL and you're like, well, okay, we may move a team around once every 20 years. So it shouldn't be, you know, such a huge weight on the league. But I do think it's about kind of truth and about, adhering to your process and sort of the integrity of what you stand for as an organization. It was interesting because John Shaw said he always believed that the, I'm paraphrasing, but that the guidelines were vague at best. And he reminded me the Rams sued the NFL over the relocation fee that they had to pay coming to say, I think they lost in the courts, but there was sort of a history with St. Louis fighting them over the topic of relocate, even when it was with the Rams being here. So I, I think it's not a new topic for the league, is it? No, and I and I, it, it's hard, right? I mean, these are these are usually teams that have had public funding that have supported them in some respects. Then you've just got the the, the fan aspect, um, 
but then you have the business realities of a team, and so you, you put all that together, it creates a lot of drama. I mean, I'm always amazed that there isn't either a, a, a deeper book or even a, you know, my gosh, it seems like Netflix will, will buy any content, you know, some kind of movie or miniseries on sort of St. Louis's NFL history, going from the Chicago Cardinals moving here, then leaving, then St. Louis Rams moving here, and then leaving. And almost getting the Stallions in and the middle of it. And then the Stallions <laughs> in the middle. I mean, it's just sort of this whole, like, it's it's it's, it's amazing story. Um you know, and, and you know, we designed fully to construction drawings the stadium. It wasn't built. I think it's the only time that maybe ever that the stadium was designed to, to that level of detail and not constructed. Um, and and yet the you know the, the drawings still kind of sit. So, um, but yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And it's you know, gosh, you go back to when the team moved here in '95. Yeah, I mean, it's you're almost like a 30-year saga of what's gone on from when the, they decided to have a team move here to when um, the team's gone. Um, and, and, and all the lawsuits and everything are behind it. So it's, 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 a, it's a full generation, if not two generations. What's your level of pride or excitement about the MLS stadium going up and that movement with Carolyn Kindle Betts, your group? I would like to say move the ball down the field. And even though we didn't get the vote in the city to push it all the way over – uh, I think this group has even said a lot of groundwork had been laid to kind of make it possible when the Taylors got involved. Give me that, give me your view on what's taken place so far. No, I think it's great. I, I think to your point, and, and you know, both Carolyn and, and, and Andy and others have been very honest about, hey, this that your effort helped, and I think if anything, it helped people realize both and galvanize around this idea. Um, and the public vote in the city, and people were frustrated, I understand, with the county, and it was difficult since the stadium was going to be located in the city. Um, I wish we had more regional collaboration, um, but at the time it was Steve Stanger and wasn't, you know, interested in in, in being involved. Um, But um, we only lost the vote by, I don't know, a little over a thousand votes, so it was really tight, and I think that surprised a lot of people, even the mayor at the time. And so I think it re- rec- or helped people realize, hey, there's something here. Um, and then the Taylors were in a position, as they've been so many times, to kind of lean in financially to make something happen in the region. They've done it with the Arch and Soldiers Memorial, and you know, um, you know, the, the 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 Symphony, Forest Park. I mean, so many th- so many institutions um, to make this happen. Um, it's it's gonna be a game changer in that with NGA, which we all forget about. But when that middle corridor, I mean, the Chinooks, we've remodeled our downtown store, which was called Culinary. We've renamed it to Chinooks so people know what it is, and we've re we've remodeled our uh, our Lindell store. So we've spent a few million dollars getting those stores kind of dressed up because we believe with all the work that's going to go on at the convention center, you know, I think three to Three years from now, five years from now, people are going to be amazed at what Central Corridor in downtown St. Louis can look like and be, and then the economic benefit that should feed these other neighborhoods. I think it's, it's this notion of leverage that strength of that, that, that entertainment district, if you will, to feed economically not just jobs but even just tax proceeds that help north and south St. Louis. So. Um, I, I think it's going to be great, and th- there's clearly fan support. You know, we're going to be selling hopefully MLS stuff in our stores, and and you know, I think I think St. Louis is going to show up strong. And you look at the demos of the MLS. These are younger people. These are the 25 year olds on their laptops drinking coffee that may in fact live in a loft. That maybe you know, as opposed to a sports team where people will hop in their car and go. The hope is, I guess, that that demographic kind of makes that a hub more than just going to a game, maybe living in that area. 
Yeah, I think that whole area becomes a real estate hotbed, and I think too that uh, it's also it's 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 one of your more diverse sports um, because the the tickets are are affordable because the game is played by young people, um, and, and you know whether that's suburban and it's the little kids are playing or you know people in the Forest Park you can watch his pickup games all the time with twenty year olds and, and the people in their twenties. So. I think that both the, the, the youth and diversity and then just the energy that, that, that is brought by those kind, of, those kind of teams is going to be huge for our city, along with all the other development we were just talking about. You're civic-minded, obviously, and there is an event Thursday. Malcolm Mitchell, we mentioned the Patriots. He wins the Super Bowl. Great story. Uh, football career ends briefly after injuries, but won a Super Bowl and is now an author. And once kids, it's about literacy, right? And this is happening in the Florissant Ferguson School District. It's happening on Thursday. It's virtual, unfortunately, but tell me a little bit about the movement, just in terms of literacy for these kids. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, um, and I'm lucky. My wife works at a bookstore called the, no- uh, the the Novel Neighbor in Webster, a small independent bookstore, and uh, it's run it's owned by Holland Salzman. And uh, they started a charity, the bookstore called the Noble Neighbor, and they basically bring books and authors to underserved communities. So 61% of, of, of low-income households don't have a book in their house at all. And so that, that and everyone knows with, with reading can come opportunity. So uh, Malcolm Mitchell's story is interesting in that he really struggled with reading. and He could write but not read when he was younger and then just really worked and worked and got to the point where he could read and now he's a voracious reader and and has has you know written a book my favorite book in the whole wide world and he's doing an event in partnership with a noble neighbor and ferguson florence and school districts and julius b anthony who's an amazing st louis and doing this these believe centers in schools that's this all around books um his believe project group um, it's one o'clock, I think, on Thursday at a school in Ferguson, Florissant, and, and they—he'll come virtually. Now they've had him in person when they could do in person, and they donate a bunch of books to kids and and just get them excited about reading. And they've been doing these events, you know, since you know for for several, a couple of years now. And um, it's 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 really good to see. And these kids just kind of light up when they get to talk to an author. And I've been able to witness a few of these virtually. And the, and the questions are, I mean, and this is the, the school. I think it's third through fifth graders. They're really good. I mean, these kids kind of dial in and get excited about it, and, and to see how excited they are when they actually have a book with the, with, you know with, that is theirs, because um, often they have to share books um, is is amazing. So um, we're really excited to have Malcolm Mitchell here, and um, you know, as part of this, and um, I, there'll be more of these events that, that unfold as this this noble neighbor group and, and the, that charity continues to expand this literacy effort. So I mentioned civic minded when it came to sports. A lot of your efforts seem to be, though, civic-minded. So, I mean, you could be playing golf. and <laughs> Give me an idea where this came from. Like, just sum it up for us, why Dave Peacock, whether it's soccer or football or schnooks and community, like, where does that come from? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes from your parents, right? I mean, my, my uh, both my parents in their own ways. My mom volunteered a ton when I was in school and was very involved in our schools. And then my dad was on the school board, which he was a volunteer position. Um, he, he coached inner city basketball um, down in the, the Jody Bailey League down in, at the Wool Center downtown. And um, I just think growing up around that and, and seeing what service is meant to be um, and then just getting more and more connected. I mean, one of the best things about Schnooks is you, you literally will be up in Hazelwood. 
you're down in, at our Butler Hill store, you're out in Edwardsville, Collinsville, you're up in Alton, you get to see our whole region. And you get to see just that diversity that's there, but also that both you know socioeconomic and kind of racial fragmentation we have. So I think seeing that firsthand more and getting connect with our teammates you know, who live in those communities um, really kind of it, it strikes a chord and says, boy, there's things we can be doing. And you also realize we're all very similar and there's a lot of pride in St. Louis. So how do we untap that and have, find that as a way to bring us together versus sort of keeping us in our own corners? Uh, no doubt about it, Dave. Very civic-minded when he spearheaded that movement, trying to keep the NFL absorbed, you know, a good probably a year and a half of his life with meetings and trips and uh, he didn't get paid for any of that and uh, yeah he's been a well compensated executive for a long time but he doesn't have to do any of this stuff but he really wanted it for st louis wanted to fight till the finish if he could with the nfl and the rams and gave it his best then tried to spearhead the soccer well did spearhead the soccer so appreciate guys like dave who let's be honest i mean he could go golfing every day and just hang out with his buddies but he's trying to get stuff done uh, including things that are on a smaller scale, like the literacy event. So great to check in with Dave. Uh, reminder, you can always find us on Spotify or iTunes, all of the segments, including the previous segments, whether it was Tony LaRusso, Mike Shannon, Mark Lamping, a lot, of, a lot of great feedback on the Trey Wingo visit from earlier this week. You can find all of those on scoopswithdannymack.com. Killcoin Conversation, as always, presented by Triad Bank, Marie Davila, Senior Living, and, of course, theappliancediscounters.com is the website for appliance discounters. I'm Martin Kilcoin. We'll talk to you again soon.